I just put a lot of trust and faith in people because that's the only way I can get to the next stages. And when I find that I'm doing too much of something that I don't want to be doing, it's always limiting. And then when I free up that time and get a little daydreaming time in, I, I'm able to think about the much bigger picture as, as cliche as it is, right? So. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Right Club Nation. It's Alfonso Salemi here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What is it, you ask? It's The Right Club Online Community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all the podcast episodes and hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing training and education and much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us and see you at therightclub.com. Now, back to the podcast. Hello, Right Club Nation. It's another episode of the Right Club Podcast. I'm Alfonso Salemi, and I am here with my amazing co-host, Sarah Larby. How are you today, Sarah? I'm doing amazing. It's nice. It's sunny. I mean, you know, depending on when, when this is going to air, it might not be as nice and sunny anymore, but I, uh, I, I live for the warm weather. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love it. So um what's going on i uh you know the burlington house is uh is doing well it's got the airbnb furniture in there and it's now listed so it's uh it's exciting we've refinanced it and officially i can now leave my job so by the time that you guys hear this i'll probably be gone already um but i've given my notice and i'm slowly transitioning out and uh, we'll be officially done from the corporate job world in uh, sometime october so what about you Welcome to the dark side, right? Full <laughs> on, right? I know. I know. I think uh, you you were utilizing and holding on to that for for as much as qualification purposes, right? And and now you know you know figuring into the lifestyle and how you want to operate and and you know for myself that I've been doing this full time for you know, almost close to six years now for sure. It's it's a big jump. It's a big step. But if anybody's ready for it, it's definitely you, Sarah. And uh, the the value that you provide to the real estate community through the Right Club, through your coaching, through SarahLarby.com, and all that has been amazing. Um, I know, you know, you, you've been a great help for me as well, too, that uh, I just went through a burr, uh, I guess, I, not really a burr, I guess it was like a, a reno, a duplex conversion. And, and now I officially, uh, as of today, actually have signed two leases. So I have it fully tenanted. And now we're going to start working on the, the refinance slowly, but sure. Nice. So um, it is so a burr. It's just in the process of being done. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's a just a couple R's, right? We're working on the, We're working on the other R's going through, right? And the the, the the refinance and repeat, and and obviously, yeah, with with the rent-owned business, I can't believe the amount of volume that we've been seeing and the amount of um, just like just inquiries about people that wanting to own their homes and people realizing how quickly home prices are going up because maybe if it's a lack of supply or you know less people being qualified, less inventory, all that kind of stuff. So the the rent to own program is is really picking up. Now we have a staff of uh, five, six people, um, including you know on top of myself and my business partner Adam. So that's been going really well. And uh, yeah, and, and the cool part is, is that, you know, we're talking more and more about it. The online community, I'm on there almost every day, if not, you know, a few times a day, connecting with people. And it's been really tough. I miss a lot of you guys out there in the Right Club Nation that we haven't been able to see on a monthly basis or more because of the, uh, you know, in-person limitations that we have through the pandemic. But I've been able to really connect with some people on the Right Club community, the forums, asking questions, talking to people, right? The podcast is on there as well too. So if you haven't been able to check that out, I know we keep continuing to grow and evolve um, the online community and how we can be really, really dynamic and, and be the best uh, real estate community in Canada and pretty much the world one day. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that's been keeping me busy. And uh, yeah, that, that's been really, really fun. Awesome. Congratulations as well on, on your growth and your first Burr completion or almost completion. So let's, uh, let's bring in Robbie. Robbie Clark, absolutely amazing, has 200 plus uh, doors, has done amazing. He's got a great story, made it, lost everything, made it again. <laughs> He's got businesses, super awesome, determined, has so much perseverance. Um, so I'm excited about this one. This is like super motivational. And uh, what do you say? Shall we, uh, shall we play the, the recording? Let's do it. You guys are going to love right. this one. 
I am excited. Robbie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing very good. How about yourself? Good, good. So I've, uh, I've actually wanted to have you on the podcast for a while. I mean, you are super successful. You've really built a, a great business from the ground up. For those listeners, the Right Club Nation that don't know who you are, or what you do, give us a, a 30,000 foot view. Oh, 30. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, I grew up in the entertainment business um, uh, when I was younger, so nothing to do with business and didn't really have a formal education because of that. So I had about six or seven credits in high school and, and the first two were, were gym and art. And so I had kind of a late start into uh, business and, and just the education side of it in general. So I had to go up and, you know, be a moderately successful Canadian uh, actor and make a bunch of money and then spend all my money and lose everything in order to uh, kind of come out the other side, right? So um, <clears throat> at about 21, 22, I, I had lost everything and then really started my education and learning um, in real estate and business in general at about 23, 24 years old. And then uh, started out slowly, bought my first house at uh, 25 or 26. Um, it was a $127,000 property in St. Catharines. It was a, a duplex. And, um, you know, we went in there and kind of learned the ropes. I'd learned from Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's kind of where I first uh, got my start in, in uh, and, and really having the passion for real estate. But um, yeah, that, that was about eight years ago now. And Basically, since then, I've just been improving the craft of buying, finding undervalued homes, renovating them, and then trying to recoup the value um, on the end. And it's, you know, it's an imperfect science, as anybody who invests knows. And uh, the first one worked out pretty, pretty good for us, which means the second one was obviously terrible, which is where we got uh, most of our lessons from, uh, which is good. You want to try to you know, lose early because then you, then you respect it a little bit more and then you, you treat it like a business or you quit like most people um, do if they have a really like if they have something uh, you know, a busy life outside of that. And then they get into real estate thinking it's going to be easy. Uh, and it's not, you know, some, sometimes friction, uh, can break some people, but, uh, if you go through that, you're going to improve. And then basically the past seven years has been improving on that initial model, which was always to try to find undervalued properties, renovate them and, and recoup some of the, uh, uh the capital from increasing the value in that area. Yeah. So yeah, very unique to, uh, to our right club nation and probably one of maybe the only people on, on the podcast that maybe had like a background in entertainment and acting and those kind of things. And, you know, not having like the formal education and, and all that kind of stuff. And then you kind of made it sound really natural that you gravitated towards real estate. What was, what was the draw or what made you get started in real estate? Like you said, you had made money, you lost money, and then you had kind of like a fork in the road to make that decision. So hmm. what was it that made you get started in real estate? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think mentally I was really spoiled as a kid. And what I mean by that is, it's not even like, um, like I, I had done well as a, as a teenage actor in, in Canada and made seven figures, obviously taxed and, and, and all that fun jazz. But that um, working with crazy people like, you, you know, Woody Harrelson, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, Olsen twins, you know, like just, just a, a whole array of people who at that time were, you know, 90s, early 2000s were just like, everybody knew them. Right. And, um, and, and you meet these people and then you realize that they're just people themselves. Right. So even in entertainment, when I was younger, cause I wasn't really in high school, I, you know, I went for a few semesters, but when I was there, it was just kind of to, to show off. And, you know, I, I thought I was, I definitely thought I was too cool for school. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> what that did though, is also kind of changed my reality. So I had always thought by the time I was 21, 22, and it was, it was more of a conceited side of me at the time was like, oh, you know, I'll get a private jet. I'll be on this feature film. I'll do whatever. Right. Like, and I had a very, I was always confident in myself, although I knew nothing about business or money or anything at the time. And so I always had these high expectations for myself. So when, you know, when I lost the passion for acting and, and lost my money with it and then had to go to serving tables, which was a huge pride hit to me. Uh, even, even though I did it because most people still looked at me, you were in my school and were like, you were on TV. What are you, what are you doing? Why are you serving tables now? Right. And for me, although I was willing to do that, you know, just like I was willing to put out door hangers, you know, for years on doors and uh, to try and promote my business and all that, I was willing to kind of sacrifice and take that pride hit, but I always knew uh, where I wanted to get back to. And, you know, I'd started a few companies. I had a healthy vending company. I had a, a landscaping company, which is still run. I've got a, a meal prep company. But <clears throat> once I started getting into real estate, I realized if you build a scalable model, there's no market like it. I mean, in Canada alone, real estate is seven, eight trillion dollar market. It's literally the dictator of wealth across, you know, the civilized world everywhere. You know, it determines whether a, a city is middle class, poor, 
upper middle class. Everything is real estate, even though people don't always realize that. <clears throat> and it's very tough to get a lot of cash flow from, uh, from real estate as well too, right? So like, you know, long-term, if you're looking at it growing into a medium or large scale business, right? So anything I get into, I'm always kind of uh, setting the bar much higher than I even know how to get to. And I think not knowing those problems sometimes beforehand is what allows me to uh, think that way. And then, and then, you know, being ferocious about figuring out the problems when they are there, right? Because you need to set boundaries and you don't have you know, anything to stop you. I have a lot of smart friends who, who work with us and stuff who went to, you know, MIT or, you know, worked at Goldman and did all these things. And one of the things I noticed with them is even if they're successful, when they went to university and they're the smart guys in their class, they're still at the top 20% um, uh, of people that they're around. So even though they're very smart, if they're getting an 80 and there's 15 people ahead of them and they're in a class of 200 people, they still feel normal. They don't, they don't feel special. And at the end of the day, everybody's special if they just realized it, you know what I mean? Anybody can do anything. And I think that's a key factor that everybody misses in any part of life, like um, in anything, no matter, what, no matter what I did. When I, when I changed away from acting and started training heavily in mixed martial arts, I know you can't tell now, but there was a period of my life where I wanted to be a, a UFC fighter. That was my only goal. And I went to LA, I trained with Joe Rogan, I trained with UFC fighters, and I was like, I'm going to be a fighter. And you know, my agents and managers at the time were like, no, obviously not. And there wasn't a lot of money in it. And uh, I just, I just love the sport, but I always set a really high expectation for myself. And I thought that real estate was um, uh, the vehicle. Uh, if you do it right, where if you, you really scale it, I mean, there's, there's nothing to stop you. So even in my meal, I actually had this conversation with Sarah kind of through Instagram like a couple of weeks ago, but with, with eFresh, I love, I love the company. But for us to even approach a medium-sized business, we need to be in every province in Canada. Like it's, it's, the market's just not big enough. So you're dealing with something where it's like, okay, I see a $200 million annual market. And then how many people are in it? This, that, this is nothing. What, the manufacturing industry worldwide, I think is 12 or 13 trillion. Canada's a tiny, like we're a huge country, but we have 33 million people. And just the real estate alone is over half the manufacturing industry in the entire world. It's, it's so huge. It is, it's the vehicle um, for the middle class in general. This is what governments and societies and the people running this have decided. This is a wealth creator, right? 100%, so it's not, yeah. yeah, and it's not designed to do it the way, um, you know, it's designed for everybody to, to kind of get in there. But if you understand the games, because that's what you're playing, markets, everything, it's a game. Uh, I think it's just an incredible way to, uh, to grow passive income, or if you want to uh, do it as an active investor, it's a great way to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you've said a lot of stuff. We've got to dissect some of it, but I will say it does take drive and it takes determination and, and it takes the ability to get back up and pick yourself back up because you've, you've got businesses. And just, just as an idea, just so people understand, like what does your portfolio, like your real estate portfolio consist of? Like, I mean, you're not like a small, you're not a small fish at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No. So we're, um, like about, about, 250 260 doors right now okay. but we're always renovating as well uh too and i work with a few partners so i i'm basically the operating managing partner so i'd done this by myself for for years and was like you know what i don't need partners or i don't you know just kind of bold-headed to it i ran my construction company a little loosely so you know a lot of projects did really well but because we were doing well overall i wasn't looking at the things that weren't working and that's that started to build and build and then it came a time where it's like, you know, you, you buy homes and then you have to sell two to pay for your staff. Cause I always treated it like a business. Like I brought on a full-time property manager when I had six properties. Cause I'm like, I'm not dealing with tenants. I'm not, okay, I'm so, not doing. So I want to take a step back though. And cause you're, you're, you've got a lot of businesses, you've got a lot of property you're doing, you're doing some great things. Like, and somebody that's listening to this right now, or right club nation is like, how does this guy do all of this? Right. And it's pretty impressive that you, you essentially made it and you, you lost everything. Then you waited on tables. I mean, that that's very humbling as well. And then you, you got, you got back up and you started again and, um, and you've built it bigger, but how are you, how are you overseeing everything to, and I know there's going to be some ups and downs, but like, are you delegating a lot? Are you like, you mentioned hiring a property manager, like what, what, you know, how do you manage all that? Yeah. So we've got a, a really good team. Now that's something I've learned a lot over the past year and a half. Cause I almost lost everything again a couple of years ago, uh, just with, um, friction and then, uh, you know, a, a legal battle from, uh, let's just say an unloyal employee. Right. So, um, it, it, you know, and that, and that happens when you're not paying attention. Right. And it's not, you can give, 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 it's nothing about that. You know, it's, it's just, if you're not paying attention and dotting your cues and nice things are going to happen. So, uh, yeah, delegation is, is, is key. 
And, you know, that's the one thing I've always been good at, maybe because I'm, uh, you know, I didn't go to school. So I don't pretend that I'm good at anything. Uh, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And I don't do what I'm not good at. So like I said, when hiring a property manager, like we definitely, we have two now, we, we definitely need full-time property management, but you don't need it at five homes, but I knew I didn't want to do it. Right. And uh, so we have, you know, property managers, site supervisors, uh, site coordinator, project manager, recruiter. There's, you know, about 10 to 12 management staff, including a full-time lawyer who helps with everything we're doing and then we're always trying to hire more when we need to because we've got about like 30 32 active sites right now and we operate more as like a management company than we do uh anything else so i used to have like 14 people on my on my construction company and then we'd realize you know you get to the final two weeks and then they're there for eight weeks now you're losing money on the project so we found working with a good network of sub trades is much better we do have in-house guys but whatever our in-house guys do we want them to do it cheaper than what a sub trade would do it for and then it, it really just helps us with maintenance too for ongoing tenants if there's any issues we can call our guys to go do it as opposed to you know uh waiting on quotes for for sub trades but it truly is that just working with a good team even even on the um engineer side like i don't i don't pretend to do things that i'm not good at and I will tell you, like, I know you, you do a great job. And I, I've made jokes about it before without even knowing Sarah. I'm like, I guarantee you she's, she's more organized than me to start. I guarantee you a lot of people are in that. And that's a good thing. I make a lot of mistakes and I'm very honest about it. And I put so much trust into uh, people that I work with. So I'll go all in. If I make a decision, I'm all in on that person. And then it takes them something really bad happening in order for uh, typically for me to realize uh, that, that it's not working right. But I just put a lot of trust and faith in people because that's the only way I can get to the next stages. And when I find that I'm doing too much of something that I don't want to be doing, it's always limiting. And then when I free up that time and get a little daydreaming time in, I, I'm able to think about the much bigger picture as, as cliche as it is. Right. So. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right. Club nation. Let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week. Blackjack contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely, and they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, and everywhere in between. They handled everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. Yeah, no, I love how you said that. And I think, you know, that's something to, to make a point for the Right Club Nation is that you're going to go out and try something and you said, I don't need to know all the answers or I don't need to have all of it figured out is that I have that big goal at the end and I'm going to find that path where you're going to go up and down on the way there and learn along the way, not being afraid to make a mistake. Some people never achieve those great successes because they're scared of a failure, right? Whereas versus your mindset is, hey, I'm gonna go and try it. I know I'm gonna fail. I don't know this, I don't know that, but I'm gonna bring the best people in those particular areas that I need. Like you said, property managers, lawyers, the different people that are on your team that you can go to, put in the trust. Obviously you have to vet them and look at other people and interview and all that kind of stuff. But once you've given them that trust, it's like, here you go, let's go and let's, let's, let's tinker along the way. So I think that's uh, I think that's a, a big point for, for the right club nation to take back is don't be afraid to make that mistake because you think you're going to fail. You're never going to succeed if you don't try. Right. And um, yeah, that, that, that's awesome advice. So those Sorry. Yeah. No, you're absolutely going to make the mistakes. And that, and that's the thing, right? It's like, don't, don't change the goal, change the plan to get to the goal. Read any book, read shoe dog, you know, uh, um, from, from, uh, from Nike, read one of Elon uh, Musk books, read any of, uh, of Richard Branson's books. And you're going to see they, they, these guys have nothing but problems. 
And if you're going through a hard time, read one of their books because you're going to feel like your problems are nothing. You're not dealing with anything wrong. You know, you can read them. The bigger you get, the bigger your problems become. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. And it's like, what have you done where you didn't make it? When you rode a bike, were you on a two wheeler to start? Like you're going to make a mistake in literally everything that you do. And you're going to get better if you keep, if you keep doing it and that's it. Right. It's just people, uh, you know, and even the testing system in school, I'm sure you guys, you know, understand this. I mean, that kind of deflects away from being able to make mistakes because you're like, oh, I have to be perfect. It's like, no, you don't need to be perfect. If you try to be perfect, you're not going to do well, right? Don't get me started on the school system. Like, I, I think it's just so backwards. I mean, this is, but it, you are the perfect example. I mean, we probably all are. Like, I was not an A student. Granted, in university, I kind of stepped up my game. But in high school, I'm like, what is the point of all of this? Where Where are you getting taught how to properly not have to work for 30 years. Like they're teaching you how to be employees and how to abide by this little tiny square box. And it doesn't work for people that have bigger ideas and bigger dreams and bigger goals. Like if you just want to coast and be comfortable in life, you know, go to school and get a job. Like, like at this point, I've actually, I've given my notice uh, to my job and it's, it's because of real estate. It's because of the fact that I can, thank you. But it's because of the fact that like real estate came into my life that like I have that opportunity and you decide to step out of the box. But those, you know, people like us that may not have had the best grades are probably ahead of people that had the best grades back in, in high school, because what are you going to do with, you know, an, an A plus in math? Sorry, you know, yeah. not much. Yeah. I just, I just thought, I just thought of a question because you're very specific to your background too. Because you know, you hear that, oh, I'm, I'm going to go be an actor in Hollywood, right? Or hey, I want to be a big, uh, a big real estate investor. I'm sure you've had like a long list of the naysayers or the quote unquote the haters. Why are you doing that, Robbie? That's not how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it like this, right? So maybe for those people that are just trying to get started or you know, they've, they found the right club or they found some real estate investing books and they wanna get going and their friends, their family, the people that are their, their, their circle of influence right now are saying, no, that's not for you. You can't do that, right? I'm, I'm sure you never heard that before, right, Robbie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really listen to what any, I have my own version of reality that I live in, which is, you know, more of a simulation theory. And, and I, I think that helps me cope with uh, my ideas. But I think anybody is just don't listen to them. And again, you know, people like to take advice from people who aren't doing it, right? Because they don't understand. And those are the people closest to them. I, I've always had a really uh, supportive family growing up. So that was one thing that was that was good for me. My mom grew up in entertainment. My dad was in the Chicago Opera. So they like the artistic side, which is typically more supportive because it's about creativity was always there for me. So I was never shy on confidence because of that, which is good, but you can like do that yourself. I think, you know, it's when I first started learning, uh, I've always had a good group of friends, but you know, when I first started my education, my friends were my audiobooks. My friends were literally, that's it. I would plow through books, uh, paperback or, or audiobook all the time. Audiobook was good because when you could drive, you can go there. And that, that sheltered me. Those were my friends. So my friends were telling me to buy homes and, you know, build large businesses and, you know, try to see what the government can offer uh, in for large, for large um, uh, industries, you know, whether it be renewables, anything. So that was what I surrounded myself with. Ultimately, you need to surround yourself with that because you will get that. Most people will think it's risky when, you know, really the real risk is waiting for alternative effects or the economy to shut down like this to really see what kind of situation you're in. We always kind of uh, shelter ourselves from reality. Like, you know, like we get two, three takes at this life and we don't. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of uh, the biggest thing is, you know, if you have that decision, don't let other people tell you otherwise and then surround yourself with, with books. That's the best thing you can do. Like if you have a great group of people around you who are already doing this great, but you probably don't, if you're, if you haven't done it yet, in which case be religious to your, your, your reading, your books, your education and surround yourself with those same people. And you're going to feel like them as well too. hundred percent agree. That's how I got started into real estate investing. I literally started Googling how people get wealthy real estate com coming back over. And I started listening to, to podcasts and, and reading books. And that's because I originally, I didn't even know other investors. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta learn somehow. And if you don't have, you know, if the, the people around you, then step out of that box. And, and just like you said, audio books, podcasts, all that stuff. So Right now, like you mentioned as well, like the economy, there's ups and downs, like how, cause you've got, you've got a lot, right? You've got businesses, you've got the properties. How are you, um, you know, that... too, sorry, we just got, got a golf course too. So yeah, no, we're gonna... <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. That's so, so you've obviously got a plan for the upside, but you've you got a plan for the downside as well. Like, how are you doing that, and and what does that look like? Because we never know, right? Tomorrow things can happen. We can all get all locked down again. Who knows? Um, but how are you? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, I keep it simple. As you know, I buy pretty. Uh, still, we have some commercial buildings, but a lot of small properties, and, and do work on them. So my my investment philosophy is the same I had when uh, when starting out, which I think is great for uh, any investor starting out. Is I like to invest in flat markets. Uh, I have a. You'll see what my philanthropic approach to investing is but really i like going into cities where the middle class is not there where the the markets have been flat and it's been depressed for a long time because you're basically buying an undervalued asset especially in a place like canada where vacancy is low everywhere so it's not a demand issue we have incredible demand and this is going to increase it because a lot of people have been unable to build during this time so you know in canada you have this anomaly which is you know low vacancy high cap rate cities, which doesn't exist in the States unless, you know, you want to be collecting your rent with a gun or you're dealing with higher, higher vacancy. So we have a, a beautiful city or, or country to invest in these small cities where you can actually make money and you're protected from the upside. You're protected from the downside. I look at capital appreciation as the third form of wealth in real estate. Number one being, uh, well, equity pay down is always going to be your biggest, but number one being your net cash flows. What are you doing there? Then your equity pay down and then the third is capital appreciation because that's the gambling one. That's the risk. And if you look at the GTA, like the, the difference between major metropolitan cities and the outskirts is they'll always go up to a spec price, right? It, it goes beyond the price of labor and lumber. Now we're like, you know what? This land is worth a million dollars because a lot of people want to want to move here, right? And that is a total disconnect from where the actual price of build is. Whereas you go in the outskirts, you can't even get a new, like the builders can't even afford to go out there yet. Because, you know, my take right now in Canada, if a duplex, 2,000 square foot duplex isn't 600,000 or, 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 or more, the city's not quite at a middle class state yet, because that means the developer couldn't go in there and sell it for a profit, which means the homes have less money, there's less equity flowing in the economy, there's less money going to the small businesses. And, and that's just how it is. So I think going out to these outskirt areas where you know your cap rate is going to be a little bit higher, where you know you're below the price of build. If there's a recession in a flat market, what happens to the market? Probably nothing. It was a flat market. But the GTA and the upper middle class areas always go down first. The wealthy areas always go down first. In fact, in 2018, I think you guys remember when there was a little stagnant, the competition rose up drastically in St. Catharines all of a sudden because people realized they weren't getting capital appreciation and they needed to rush for, for cash flow. So what was bad in the upper middle class areas where most people were like, this is a safe investment, we actually got a 10, 11% increase in, in the outskirt areas. And again, if there was a recession right now, which you know, people are debating what could happen, well, St. Catharines has gone up in, in, the, in the outskirt areas still during this time. And even if it were to go down, I know it's not gonna go down as far as uh, Toronto and ultimately you shouldn't care because your goal is to be cash flowing on these properties so you can ride out those waves even when they happen. Absolutely. And, and that's why we are, like we always emphasize cash flow first. And it doesn't have to be an astronomical amount, but just make sure that your rents cover all of your expenses so that you can take that up and down. And this is why I'm a big proponent in, in those B markets as well, right? I mean, you don't, you don't have to be five, six hours necessarily away, but like you said, St. Catharines, there's Brantford, there's Peterborough, there's a lot of areas that still are Granted, there's a lot of investors and there's a lot of you know people looking at them at this point in time, but there's still a lot of areas, even within a somewhat close proximity to big city, that still makes sense. So cash flow first, mortgage pay down, and then and then ride the wave. But I'll tell you that a lot of those small markets have done better, in my opinion, when you look at the ups and downs than like the Toronto's or the Markham's or the Vaughn's or all of those highly priced places already. People will always need a place to live. People will always need a place to rent. And, you know, I think the, the more that we have immigration coming in and we've got, you know, population increases, people just need to move further and further and further out. So those, those areas, they're definitely going to see that wave come through. And, it, you know, some of them are, are already there. Some of them are probably a couple years away, five years away, 10 years away. But, yeah. you know, get in there before it happens. And this is why when I was in Brantford, I'm, I'm laughing right now. I mean, I'm still writing it and, you know, it's still, it's still got room to grow. But I, I mean, yeah. some pro properties I was buying at like 200s, you know, high ones, they're not that price anymore. And granted, like you could still find some decent stuff regardless. Um, but, you know, today's dollar or price in 10 years from now, even if it's like four or 500,000, 
in 10 years from now, it'll be a lot higher. So, so, you know, start, start planning now and just get a little bit of cash flow. It doesn't have to be thousands of dollars of cash flow, but a little bit, it'll, it'll accumulate over time. Yeah. And if you start, like, it's, it's a funny part. Once you start, you're good. Like you don't have to, I talk to people all the time about how to passively invest. Like first thing I recommend is like, if you're getting a property, find a really good property management company. If you're not going to do it in house, cause that's, that's important, but it just builds. It's like an automatic savings account with equity. If you do get the appreciation, you can borrow against tax. free. There's, there's just so many advantages to that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, these, these, uh, like what Canada needs is 100, 200, 300 million people. We are 100, 200 years away from being able to do that. There's, we're the second largest landmass. We are the most sparse developed country in the world. So the most underdeveloped developed country in the entire world, period. There's, can't argue with it. So we know what, what the government wants, and that's more people in here. And we're, we're immigrating, not during these past few months, but immigrating uh, more than we're building. And you know how long it takes to build something. So if we got 200,000 units scheduled to be built, and we got 270,000 legal immigrants coming in, not to mention probably 50, 75,000 illegal immigrants at the same time, and we're already under 2% vacancy, we have supply and demand issues. That's, that's, that's it, right? And we will for a long time. Absolutely. And you, know, you guys mentioned like the secondary markets and, and with our rent to own programs, we work in those markets as well too and see the growth in those and, and the number of people that want to own their own home. And, and I think even before you know, the pandemic and all that kind of started, it's more self-employed. Um, the people in the population were becoming more self-employed, not reliant on an income or doing their own jobs. And now the other factor that's adding to that is, like you said, Robbie, the, the, the landmass, we have so much, people don't necessarily want to be on top of each other anymore. They want their own little space. They, they want to, they're willing to go further out because maybe now they are going to be able to work from home or one or two days a week only that they'll have to go into a certain office or location, right? So um, yeah, a lot of attractive features. So when you go into a market, like you guys were talking about that, what, what are some of the things are you looking for? What's the, the, the closest big city? What are the economic drivers? What are, what are maybe the top three things that if I said, hey, Robbie, I'm looking at this city and you would look at it right away and say yes or no, what are some of the determining factors that you would look at for a specific area? Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, I would, as a beginning investor, I'd say yes to any, any of the cities that uh, Sarah just mentioned. But the uh, uh, mine, honestly, I was in St. Catharines because that's all I could afford at the time. I knew the gist of it. I knew that, you know, Robert Kiyosaki says you, you buy a home and you can rent and make money and cash flow. You can, you, you, you can do well. So I was actually looking in Hamilton initially, but I saw a lot of the lead piping and things that I wasn't familiar with there. And I was like, this looks like it's going to be too expensive to renovate. Yeah. So like, again, if, if I came to you, if I'm a new investor and I'm going and looking for a market, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and now you're presented that, what are the, the things that you would say would give you the thumbs up or, or would say, no, you know what, maybe let's look for another city because it doesn't have these features or, or factors. Well, in Canada, you're pretty fortunate. If you wanna, if you wanna be uh, super simplistic about it and just look at the cash flow, right? Because the rest of the factors, you can go, okay, is there crime here? What part of the city am I buying in? Whatever. Uh, if you can manage to at least pull about six hundred dollars per hundred thousand dollars in property, and this is not the metric I use for all of them, because Sudbury should be much higher, St. Catharines areas will be, but six hundred dollars per hundred thousand dollars in property, meaning if you have a million dollars in property, you're gonna bring in six thousand dollars a month. You know that that comfortably, as long as you're not on huge privates and and whatnot, that you're gonna cash flow relatively well, right? So, I mean, it's a, a generic guideline. It's not something I use, but for beginners going in, look at that number because I get approached by so many people being like, "Yo, I can buy this in, in Oakville. It's a new build. You know, it's it's 1.2, and I I think I could rent it for like 3,800 a month." And you're like, "Okay, we'll run your numbers because you're losing money. I don't I don't know what to tell you." And so even just looking at that first, because in Canada, you're pretty safe, like Brantford, Oshawa, um, like that you can, 
sometimes if you have a good agent, again, maybe stay away from certain areas. We go everywhere just because you're, you're playing with the numbers in that area. But um, make, make sure your cash flow first because in Canada, you have a pretty safe environment for investing. You really do. And the further away you go, if you're focusing on cash flow, the, the less um, uh, increase you've had, but the less fluctuations you've had. So, I mean, you're already buying into something you couldn't possibly build it for. Um, so make sure that the cash flow is there and that'll already mean that you're outside of the GTA if that's the, um, uh, if that's the case. And, uh, and then from there, you just gotta, um, you gotta do your research on where you're buying, try to find a good agent in the city. If you don't have one that you really trust and, uh, and, and do your research and, and get after it and don't be afraid to make a mistake, get that first one done and you're going to learn a lot from there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was a quick rule of thumb, but I want to go back to the 600 for every hundred thousand dollars a property is worth. So, so in the U S you hear about the 1% rule a lot. I'll tell you, it's very hard to get the 1% rule in the GTA or, or, you know, in a, within Ontario, unless you're doing like student rentals or you're doing some conversions and you're setting your own rents and you're putting in your own tenants. Yeah. So you're, you're essentially saying you're looking at at least a 0.6 above and then you're, there's other calculations and stuff like that to do. But as a very, very minimum, you just take, say something is worth 200 grand, you'd expect 1200 as the rent minimum as an example or more. Is that what you're saying? Correct. So listen, if I go to Sudbury, I'm, I'm looking at 1%, right? And, but a lot of people don't yeah. want to go that far. And I don't want to discourage people who are looking and being like, oh, well, I went to like Brantford's a prime example. Brantford's not going to be $10,000 for a million in, in, in property. You might do seven. I mean, it really, it really depends on what you could be less. It could. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean like between like now seven and eight, like the 0.7 to 0.8 is, and again, there's still other things that you want to factor in, right? If you're paying utilities, not paying utilities, like there's, there's a lot of things, but just as a, as a basic rule of thumb, you're probably not getting the 1% in Brantford anymore, unless it's something that you're creating. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> could get 1% in, in Catherine seven, eight years ago. Definitely not now. So I'm only saying that to not discourage people because they're going to be looking like they'll have to look at something in between Windsor and, and wherever. Like I want the people because St. Catherine's still, uh, St. Catherine's an amazing market. I don't want anyone buying there, but you know, I would recommend it still if I'm not, if I'm not biased. Niagara's great. Welland's great. Brantford's great. These are all great areas. And if we do the 1%, they're going to be venturing out further. And I don't want to discourage people from investing because these markets, even at that rate, are, are typically, I mean, there's more factors to it, but still under the price of cost to build. How much would it cost me to buy this land, pay the development fees, uh, and, and build this property, and then resell it for a profit for it after I'm paying taxes on it? That's the true cost of what it should be on the market. And those markets, Brantford and them still aren't, still aren't there, right? So, Yeah, no, great, great points. And, and I think that that's the thing is, I think the key that we're trying to underscore here for everyone is that we need to treat it like a business. If we were selling coffees, okay, and you know, there's certain companies that sell coffees every day. And if you're sell buying your coffee for a dollar and you're selling it for 50 cents, how long can you be in business? How long can you do it? How long can you stay in? I know, you know, in, in, in real estate, we're lucky because we have equity pay down, appreciation, but those are the things that you know, we got to we, we can't control appreciation is something we can't control of what's going on. We can indicate, okay, there's more population coming. We can uh, predict that it's going to come that no one has that crystal ball. But if you're cash flowing and you have a property that even if you're making a hundred bucks, 300 bucks, 600 bucks, whatever that is, that's a profitable business. And over time, that's going to duplicate and repeat and repeat and repeat. And I think that's where, you know, you were able to kind of be successful is that you said, Hey, I did the first one. We, we, it went really great. We tried a second one, didn't go as well. We've learned a lot. And then as you get that knowledge base, now you're going to be a little bit more lean and kind of moving forward and being more confident in what, what the type of projects or, or deals that you're working on. Yeah. And I, one quick note I wanted to add there. That's why like, I do tell people this all the time. I can teach somebody how to become a, a millionaire and, and, and wealthy in real estate uh, much easier than I could try to teach them what, what I'm doing. I've tried to create a business out of it because I, you know, I want to, I want to have over a billion in holdings. I want to create, and it's not even for, it's like, I want a billion in holdings because of money. It really isn't about the money because I, I've overspent on staff my whole way through. I've always been tight even when trying to grow. It's about growing something large. So it's not like, hey, I want this figure because I want X amount of money. I don't have a target of, of, of money that I want in my bank account. In fact, less is better. I would feel more anxious having a few hundred grand uh, cash just sitting there for a long period of time than I would a few hundred thousand in gold and silver or artwork or other things because that's just my philosophy on cash in general. But I think that if you can, you can, anybody can be passively uh, very successful in real estate, much easier than trying to even, you don't need three, four companies and 30 people to do it. You don't, you don't. 
hey, you have a good partner like uh, Sarah, she could, she could do it all for you and you'll be successful. Or you could try to do it on your own and you'll still have success. You'll have some, you know, roadblocks. You might want some coaching to, to, to get your way through it so you can understand because that's, that's really what you're doing, whether you have a partner or coaching or anything, is you're, you're, you're paying to get past those roadblocks that you would, you would not have. Efresh, we're, we're working a deal right now where we're looking to go with a, um, a VC who's very familiar in the industry and just work with companies that have done 10, 20x what we've done. And it's like, well, what's the value in it for us? Well, <laughs> all those roadblocks that he had, we're not going to have to go through, right? And that's, and that's huge in itself. So uh, you could passively do it through hiring a good property management team, whether you're taking coaching on the side or, you know, reading yourself. Uh, you could be an active investor if you want to have a business around it, but there's many ways to get in and you don't, you know, it doesn't have to uh, be as complex. And, and so I don't want people to think, oh, this is how you need to set them up because you don't, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's just the way I choose to run it. I've got a buddy who has all, roughly this, I don't know what he has, but he does very well. And he's the opposite of me where I work with a lot of people and he likes to automate everything. And he's a marketing guy and he's online. He's super analytical. And, uh, and that's amazing. And it works for him. Uh, it doesn't work for me, but all roads lead to us. Right. So just find out what, what's in your comfort level and, and you can make it work. Yeah. And I would say too, like, it, it's just not an overnight thing, right? Like, so like, if somebody's listening and thinking, oh my God, I want to be, you know, like Robbie or Alfonso or Sarah and, and, you know, be millionaires, like it took time, right? That first property, you know, that second property, you're not, you're not going to get there overnight. And it's just one day you're going to look back and you're like, you're going to have spent three, four five, six years. I mean, you know, there's different strategies and stuff like that. And then you'll look back and be like, well, okay, well now that wheel is getting bigger. That snowball is getting bigger. You know, you're going to start to feel it, but it's not going to happen the second you close on your first property. There's definitely going to be some, some things uh, to do to get to that point. Yeah. And sorry to go on that point. Like that's a really big factor that people don't understand. Like that was one of the things where I say I was spoiled as a youth because like I, I had the feeling of being rich and being able to go to bottled service and do whatever I wanted. So that like, I know what it feels like to have a bunch of money and that doesn't do it all. Right. And I know what it feels like to have, you know, certain levels of success and everyone's like, Oh my God, you did all this. But when you look from your vantage point, you're like, yeah, but there's still a lot to be done and it's not all sunshine and, and roses. You know what I mean? Like I, we have cash flow issues just as much as anybody else. Right. And, and, um, that's one of the things I say. I mean, we do set our goals higher. So I think ultimately that changes our brain to think about problems that solve different problems. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, um, just not putting those, uh, mental barriers up for yourself is, is going to be a, um, a huge push forward. Right. If that makes sense. I don't know if I got everything in there. But no, yeah. I, exactly. And I think whether, whether it's, whether it's our own life journey, whether it's our real estate investing journey, our, our business journeys, our, our family journeys, we all individually have our own goals that we want to accomplish and set them. And I think that's where really the start is, is what does it want to accomplish? Whether you're doing the birth strategy, rent to owns, commercial investing, all the different aspects of this, or, you know, starting your own business, like you mentioned, landscaping, all these different things, right? It's what is that goal? What is, what is that ultimately, what does a day look like for you? That's going to say, Hey, I'm happy. I can look in the mirror. I did good by people. You know, people are happy with me. I'm working with people and then work it backwards from there. Because, you know, going and buying one property or five properties or, you know, 250 doors, that's not the goal. That's not going to be like, hey, I got 250 doors. That's not going to fulfill you. It's what all that does that's going to allow you to say, hey, I feel great. I've helped people. I've provided homes. I've returned. Uh, I've provided a good return for investors. We've created a good business, provided income and jobs for, for your staff and the people that are helping you grow. And I think that's the goals that people sometimes forget. And it's just about acquiring the next one and the next one. And then, well, I got wrapped up in that. It was just about more. And now we got 50 and now we want a hundred and now we want 500. Right. But it's like, what is it all going to accomplish? What's at the bottom line doesn't show up on a balance sheet. It's that feeling of, Hey, I've helped people. I've done good. And I'm able to do the things that I enjoy. Right. And everybody's different. Everybody has different things of enjoyment, whether it's travel, whether it's, you know, charitable work, all different things that they can help other people. It's part of that human experiment. Right. So, um, and this is exactly why we do this podcast to talk to amazing people like you to share those experiences so that you're not only getting it from your own perspective, but everybody else that has, is along those journeys. And if we can help people kind of advance even just one inch forward from where they are today, 
that that's the whole goal of this. And we really enjoyed the conversation, but I think it's time that we get to, uh, to our lightning round. What do you oh, say, yeah. sir? Are you ready for the lightning round, Robbie? I am, I am. Let's do it. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, awesome. Robbie, first thing that comes to mind. Question number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Uh, reading, audiobooks. I mean, that's, that's first and foremost. Coming to your guys' events are great. I mean, you just said, helping people. You guys help a ton of people. I was there, I think a, a year or two, a couple of years, a while back. And I remember the growth that I saw in one year was ridiculous. And all of these people are just venturing in, but it's like setting off a, a bomb. It's like crowdfunding. Like you might be guys doing your own thing, but setting off 10 people to do one or two or one or two who talk to somebody else to do one and one, you don't even know the impact you're having. Right. So um, it, it's, it's incredible. And even going to these areas, they're helping it. I'll quickly trail on. I had this one uh, area facer in St. Catharines. We once bought seven properties on just to give you guys a quick example of how much help you're doing when they invest here. Uh, the homes were averaging about 180. We wound up, you know, getting a, a gross profit of say a hundred thousand on, on resale. Cause at the time I was selling to pay for staff, we wound up almost doubling the area and had one of the neighbors come up to us who had been living there for 15 years. And it's like, Rob, uh, I knew you guys did seven homes on a few roads sold a few homes. Well, our home increased 150,000 in value. We just sold it. We're retiring. We're moving to Florida. And I did the math. There's 500 homes in that area. I'm like, if each one raised by a hundred grand because of a, a couple home sales, a few home sales, look how much capital we just unlocked for, for everybody. So you guys don't even, I mean, I'm sure you're aware, but the intrinsic value you guys are doing by sharing this with people in the cities that need it most, because it's not Toronto that needs it. There's, there's enough money there, right? In these cities, that's unlocking capital that was never there before is really the most philanthropic thing that you guys can do. Yeah. Awesome. Listen awesome. That's really cool. You know, I actually have never thought about it that way, but like, thank you. That, that is, that is a really great way to put it. Yeah. You're a philanthropist. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So question number two of the lightning round, what is your favorite real estate investing resource? Uh, you know what? Realtor.ca. I know that's kind of generic, but I'm on there quite a bit. So yeah. All right. Sounds <laughs> and good. And it's Zillow. And Zillow. Okay, cool. Number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? Perseverance. Yes. I, I don't quit. Perseverance. It's not, you know what? I just read it. I read a quote this morning. It's not the strength of the water that cuts through the rock. It's the persistence of it, right? The continual going at it, going at it, not giving up. And, and you're a great example of that. So that's everything. That's all it is. Don't quit. Dig to China. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, that's it. That's everything. If you have the goal and you don't quit, you're going to get it. That's, that's it. awesome. That's awesome. So last question of the lightning round, you know, you, you're sitting in your backyard, you got a nice sunny day. Um, but, uh, you know, on, on your backyard, but yeah, yeah. No. right on, right on. So, um, on a typical Sunday morning, what's, what are, what are you doing to, to kind of, on a typical Sunday morning, what's Robbie up to? On a typical Sunday morning, I am probably going to, in the summertime, going to Starbucks for a, a cold brew and listening to an audio book for an hour and doing some daydreaming and then research and planning. My days are uh, not very structured the way that most people would, would think. I need time to, to think and do things and be open for uh, appointments when I need them. Um, that's what works for me. Um, so yeah, mine, mine's pretty open. If you want to go to a barbecue on Sunday, I'd probably be there. Uh, but that's a lot of uh, my morning routine is typically, uh, having coffee, getting my audiobook time in, even if it's a book I've already read and coming up with some crazy ideas and then trying, trying to implement from there. Absolutely. You know, the, the wisest people say planning and thinking is the most important thing that you can do. I would think so. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it comes more and more true when you think about it. Like, a, you know, I, I realize that more every year, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Robbie, where can the Right Club Nation reach out if they wanted to find out more or uh, contact you directly? Yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, somewhat active on Instagram. So at Robbie W. Clark, R-O-B-B-Y-W-C-L-A-R-K. Um, I, I do post some uh, tips on, on videos and whatnot. A lot of people reach out to me there just for, for real estate advice. Um, and so I connect through there. Uh, I've got a few different companies, but SIDdevelopments.ca, S-I-D developments.ca is kind of our our hub we're starting to upload stuff onto, which gives a little breakdown of some of the, the managing companies involved in, uh, in what we do. Um, and those are probably, yeah, the, the best ways. Awesome. Robbie, it's been, it's been a great conversation and thank you so much for being a, such an amazing supporter of the right club. Are there any last words of advice or anything that you want to share that maybe you didn't cover today, uh, with the right club nation? Because again, you are, you know, you know, very successful, an amazing guy, just a good, good all around person. So, um, anything that you'd like to share with the right club? I appreciate that. First off, I think you guys do an awesome job and you, uh, great hosts here too. You guys did a great job, but the, uh, I, I would say again, for the people who are struggling right now, persevere for the people who haven't started, get started. And for the people limiting themselves, uh, put your goals higher because that that's all it is. You're going to work just as hard to make hundred K as if you want, you set the goal to hundred million. Uh, that's just the truth. You're going to get stressed. Your emotion levels only go to certain boundaries, no matter what you're thinking about. So get after it. Don't quit and, and, uh, and raise your goals. Amazing. Great advice, Robbie. Thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on and, and thank you for sharing your knowledge and insights. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Robbie is great. I mean, he's just super determined, super just driven. And you, you can see that you know, he is going, he's already doing big things, but like, this is going to be somebody that I can see on the Forbes list at some point, you know, he is going to make big things happen and he already has, um, but super motivational. Yes, absolutely. And for, for those of you that are listening and, you know, you have some, you know, uh, excuses or reasons why you think that this is not going to work or some hurdles that you've kind of, um, kind of come up to and say, okay, this is, this is hard now. This is difficult guys. That's when the work starts. It's never easy. Everybody talks about overnight successes and yeah, overnight successes take 20 years, 30 years, even longer. Right. And this is the real estate business. There is no get rich quick. There is no instant money, fast money. This is work. And then your passive income in real estate and all that kind of stuff. It takes the work, the systems, the knowledge to get into there. So we hope this podcast uh, really inspired you to, to get to your goals and get to the dreams that you want to accomplish. And whether that's through whatever strategy, whether and hopefully real estate is one of them um, because it has helped so many people. So um, yeah. yeah, really, really enjoyed that conversation. It's, it's like that iceberg, you know, you think yeah. of the iceberg and then there's like successes and money and wealth at the top. And then the bottom of the iceberg, which is like way more stuff has all the problems, the uphill battles, the, the, all the stuff, the time that it, you took, the sacrifices, um, people don't make it overnight. They will make it eventually in real estate. You hang on for long enough, you'll do okay. Um, you know, buy on, on the fundamentals, of course, and buy on the cash flow. Just make sure your stuff covers itself. But at the end of the day, to me, this is the best type of investment vehicle in order to, to create the most amount of millionaires, the most amount of wealth. And, uh, and when we're in a great position in Canada, it's a great country to be able to do that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Alfonso, thank you so much for, for being a, an amazing co-host again, week in and week out. Right Club Nation, thanks for tuning in. And don't forget, we are now online, therightclub.com. Check it out, add us, send us messages. Let's communicate on there. Find me, I'm Sarah Larby. And you can also reach out to Alfonso Salemi. Thanks so much. Alfonso, what do we say? Absolutely. See you till next time and come grow with us. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to The Right Club Podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.